It is my privilege to introduce a very good friend of mine. We have worked together, oh, I guess for probably eight to ten years now. But he is the pastor of the Fair Park Bible Church in Dallas, Texas. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Pastor Stephen Broden. Well, good morning. Good morning. I feel like a bush among trees. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad to be here with you today uh, because this is a golden opportunity, I believe, for us to uh, get ourselves up to speed for the task that is before us as uh, Christians in America. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said that an educated citizenry is a vital requisite to our survival as a free people. If you don't know, you can't muster the kind of defense that is required for us to maintain the liberties that God has given to us. And whether you know it or not, that we are in a very tumultuous and turbulent time, a time that is not uh, organic, but rather it is synthetic. It has been produced. And the production that we are seeing right now is moving us rapidly towards what I call globalism or one world government. Yes, Marxism, Maoism, and communism, I believe is the instrument that is being used by the power elite to accomplish the task of what the Bible calls one world government. And that's what they're doing, and that's how they're moving us. And men and women, you know, because many of you are here today, that we are very close to that reality. That there are only two obstacles in the way of the Marxists in America today and the communists, or I should say the globalists. And that is the constitution of this great land that promotes and fosters individual liberty and Christianity, which undergirds those ideas, they are both within the crosshairs of the enemy to our freedom and our religious liberty. I want to share with you a thought that came uh, from Kelly Shackerford's book in 2014. It's called Undeniable, The Survey of Hostility to Religion in America. The Survey of Hostility to religion in America. He says this. He begins in his opening chapter. He says this. Freedom in America depends on the restraint and motivation supplied by religious activity such as prayer, scripture reading, and open expression of religious beliefs. Prominent researcher Patrick F. Fagan, a PhD, states, quote, a steady growing body of evidence from the social science demonstrate that regular religious practice benefits individual families and communities and thus the nation as a whole. And yet, the freedom to openly exercise your faith is under intolerant, growing, demanding attack. 
If this hostility is not identified, defeated, and deemed socially unacceptable, then we will forfeit the benefit of religious freedom in America. We will risk watching our freedom and our American way of life destroyed. I submit to you, men and women, that is precisely what we are witnessing today. We are witnessing the destruction of America systematically from within, from within, through an indoctrination of our children and a method called political correctness. We are losing this nation. And I want to talk a little bit about what political correctness is, but I want to, first of all, say to Trevor, my zip code is 75223. Put me on that list. Uh, he's putting a list together of, of those churches that are, are in the fight. I want my, my, my zip code on that list. Um, social justice, I think, is influencing all of us either directly or indirectly. But as pastors, we know that there is an alternative to social justice. And we need to articulate what that is. It was Dr. Tony Evans who said this, that biblical justice is the equitable application of God's law in society, God's moral law in society. That is the alternative to this nonsense called social justice. And we must respond as believers by saying, well, we believe in justice too. But we believe in biblical justice. The social, the application or the equal application, the equitable application of God's moral law in society. In society. And men and women, that means we need to be exposed to the truth of God's word and represent that truth no matter where we are and when we are speaking about what the country needs at this time. There's no question about it. So we're in an extraordinary moment. And the issue is, are we assessing that moment in such a way that we can mount the kind of response that will rescue this republic? And that's what we're on here, men and women. We're on a rescue mission. A rescue mission. And you cannot be effective in the rescue of the mission if you don't know what it is that you're fighting. You don't know what it is that you're fighting. All of us in here have been impacted by this thing called political correctness. I want to talk about that today because I think it's important for us to recognize what it is that we're fighting and how it is that we can defend against it. But as we do so, most of you are familiar with, with Francis Schaeffer. Frankie Schaeffer wrote a book that was asked the question, how then shall we live? In it, he makes a statement that I think that is important for us to understand. He says, if the Christian consensus is removed from the public square, what do we have? And he answered, he says, we have a power elite who would determine what is right and what is wrong. Is that not where we are today? That that power elite is defining what is right and wrong from a relativistic point of view. That is, their right today could be wrong tomorrow. 
our right today was always going to be wrong for them. And we're seeing a constant manipulation and uh, a redefining of those things right before our eyes. And I think so much and so that some of us are still in a state of shock that we are witnessing a transformation of our morality in America. And it's because the left knows that they must undermine the influence of the Christian consensus in the public square. And may I say to you, they have succeeded. We're not witnessing them doing it, ING, participle, indicating something that is ongoing, but rather they have won the conversation, men and women. And you as Christians right now are fighting for your rights to be Christians in America. And you better fight. You better fight. This thing is coming at us with such rapidity and speed that sometimes we don't even recognize what's going on. But the other side is not at all. I think I heard Paul say they are not hiding what they're doing. It's all out in the open. But because we have been, been so conditioned to give attention to what the media sets for us as our priority, we're missing out on what is happening right before our eyes. It's called the sleight of hands. Watch the birdie in this hand while this hand is robbing you of your liberties. And we're all focusing in on crises. Remember that crises is the left's greatest instrument. They love crises because crises is their opportunity to change things. I want you to see that and know that. I think it was Rahm Emanuel says, never let a serious crisis go unused. For every crisis is an opportunity for them to keep us focused on the crises while they manipulate and change policies and laws that ultimately rob us of our liberties. Hear that today. It was several years ago that, that uh, David Rockefeller said something and he said it in the public. He said it wide open, and I think we missed it. He said this, quote, The present window of opportunity during which a truly peaceful and interdependent world order might be built will not be open for too long. We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crises, and the nation will accept the new world order order. That's what David Rockefeller said in 1994. And I submit to you that's precisely where we're headed if in fact we do not throw up the walls or rally to the rampart and stand up and push back vocally, visibly, physically, by any means necessary. I ran for office back in 2009 to be a congressman in the 30th district here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And they interviewed me on television and they said, uh, Broden, you are, are you advocating armed revolution? I said, no, I'm not advocating armed revolution. I just simply quoted what Thomas Jefferson said. 
He says, when any government becomes destructive to that end, it is the right of the governed to alter or abolish it. And I said, that word abolishment means revolution. He says, is that on the table? I said, yes, it's on the table. But I don't think we're there yet. I think we're at the point of alteration. But that all got clipped out of the... And landed on the editor's floor. And it said, Broden is advocating for armed revolution. I said, it's on the table. The 20th century was the bloodiest century in the history of mankind because of tyrants pushing a doctrine that is antithetical to the very principles to which our nation was founded. And if you don't acknowledge that, men and women, we're in trouble. And I said, it's on the table, but it's not there now. We can still alter it at the ballot box, I think. Donald Trump's is nervous about that. Is he not? And so what we have is David Rockefeller announcing to us that we're moving towards globalism. And somehow we get distracted by so many things. I want you to know that communism and Marxism is but an instrument in the hand of Satan to move us towards one world government. Yes, we ought to be aware of it and we should fight back and push back against it. But don't miss out what the Bible tells us that this is all about. It's about one world government. And you are in the way of it. And so you are in the crosshairs, Christians. You are in the crosshairs. We as a nation, we are divided. How do we get here to this place? Look at what is happening. Same-sex marriage. Gender fluidity. Transgenderism. Drag queen story hour. The Equality Act, which Paul and I fought for the last three years, we've been fighting against it. Scott Lively, we've been fighting against it and we tried to rally the church to help us to fight it, to push back. And it passed right out of the, the uh, House of Representatives and it's sitting right now in the Senate at the Judiciary Committee. That's where it sits. And if Biden wins, it will pass. And it will change Christianity in America forever. Forever. The Equality Act, abortion on demand, the sexualization of our children, the feminization of our boys, the masculization of our girls. What's going on? This stuff is happening right on your watch. While you're sitting there trying to figure out should we be involved in politics. They're changing the culture while we're masking up and sheltering in place. They're changing the culture. And we're accepting this nonsense. Drag queen story hour. Four and five year olds being read to by a knucklehead who is demented in his head to believe that he's a woman. And we're bringing our kids in there. Where is the outrage? Where's the outrage? What's going on here? I want you to know the LGBT 
community is but an instrument in the hands of the globalists and the communists to destroy morality in America. It was Joseph Stalin who said this, America is a healthy body. Its strength is its patriotism, its spiritual life, and its morality. If we can undermine them in these three areas, America will collapse from within. Am I the only one here in collapse? I'm here in collapse. Because if you are a patriot and you wear your flag on your shirt, you will be ostracized and criticized in America today. Spirituality, out the window. Our kids don't even want to hear about spirituality. And by the way, may I say to you, you are fighting with your children. You're fighting with your children. For they have been indoctrinated and they are saying to us, what's wrong with socialism? It's a godless system, son. It's a godless system, daughter. It's anti-God. That's what's wrong with it. And so we need to talk to our children. And if you look around this room, there's too many gray heads in here. Here's what Scott Lively said. And he's here. You're going to hear from him later on, I'm sure. But Scott says this in his book called Poison Stream. I love it. Quote, the danger of the gay rights movement is not in the details of any political agenda item, but in the fact that the underlining goal of the movement is the elimination of the Judeo-Christian sexual ethic as the guiding moral principle of Western civilization. Do you hear that? Unrepentant gays stand condemned before the biblical standard for sexuality. Lifelong mahogany, heterosexual marriage, and must therefore, and must therefore destroy the standard if they are to achieve the acceptance and power they so desperately crave. What Scott is saying here is that Christianity has to get out of the way in order for them to establish their purpose for power. This is not new, men and women. We are under assault. It is not incidental or accidental that the influence of Christianity in America has been mitigated and marginalized. Stalin says patriotism, spiritual life, and morality. Our spiritual life has gone. Our children are moving away from it. The morality in our country has been redefined. Right is now wrong and wrong is now right. Same-sex marriage, codified. Sodomy, codified. Transgenderism, accepted. And guess what's next? Pedophilia. Here we go. Are you up enough now to say that's enough? Are you willing now to take it on the chin and say not for me and my house? And step into the public square. I have. 
And I got my legs chopped off from under me, but I still got two arms. And so what I want to do just in a few moments here that we left is to allow you to see what it is that we're facing. I call it cultural Marxism. They call it political correctness. There is no difference between the two. They are one and the same. In 1929, at the Frankfurt School in Germany, they studied why the Bolshevik Revolution did not spark or ignite a transformation in Western Europe. And they came to the conclusion that there is two reasons why it did not take or catch in Western Europe. Number one, all of the institutions maintain the stability of the purpose of the culture at that time. And what was undergirding those institutions was Christianity or the Judeo-Christian ethic. And so they said, we need to come up with something different. Classical Marxism isn't working. Classical Marxism was about revolution. It was about confronting the system, the proletariat against the, 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 the owners. They said it wasn't working because the proletariat was still operating on an ethic that was antithetical to what we wanted. And so they evaluated and they said, we need to come up with something different. And what they came up with, with is what is called cultural Marxism. Marxism, classical Marxism, deals with economics. But cultural Marxism tells you exactly what they deal with. They deal with the practices and behavior and mores of a people. And so they change their emphasis and their attack to culture. And look what we have. I submit to you that it is more than the three institutions that we've been talking to or talking about today thus far. I want you to know there are seven institutions that have caved in and capitulated to political correctness. Let me list them for you. Corporations, academia, media, that's social media and all electronic media and print media, the arts the church, and the family. All of them have capitulated to cultural Marxism or political correctness. Every last one of them. We saw it happen just a few years ago when the Sochi laws were the issue in the culture. You remember that? Sexual orientation laws. And Mike Pence in Indiana and a I think the governor Asa in Arkansas put their foot down and said, we're not going to open up these bathrooms and showers to these deviants. And the businesses across this country says, if you do it, we're withdrawing our companies from your state. And they put economic pressure on them and they caved. That's showing you that the corporations have sold out to political correctness. Nike now makes policy in America. Bill Gates and Microsoft tells our, our elected officials what we should do and how we should do it. Is it any wonder 
men and women that we're witnessing now, billionaires all over this country investing in the usurpation of our liberties guaranteed to us by the Constitution. Mike Bloomberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk. Those are names that we know, but there are others who are more powerful than they, who are behind the scenes just fueling the usurpation of our liberties. The Rockefellers, Rothschilds. This stuff is coming at us with such speed and rapidity. We're too busy over here talking about, I'm not going to church because we don't want to get COVID-19. While you're trying to avoid COVID-19, your liberties are being taken right from underneath your feet. Cultural Marxism. Let me tell you, I, I, I know my time is short. But let me, let me tell you, I, I was reading about Antonio Grimsey. Antonio Grimsey says, we'll never overthrow the, rest, the West through armed revolution. It will not happen. How will it happen, Antonio? Through infiltration and gradualism. And we have been infiltrated starting back in the 19th century with Fabian Socialist. Fabian Socialist targeted the intelligentsia. They won over Woodrow Wilson. And they begin to manipulate and to maneuver through the culture. And in 1929, as they studied this, here's what they said. Classical Marxism will not work. Grimsey turned his attention uh, to a different approach. Here's what he said. The problem then was that the culture of Western society was blocking the proletariat uprising. As Grimsey wrote in the prison notebook, the state was the only, was only an outer ditch behind which there stood a powerful system of fortress. Furthermore, these fortresses were inseparable from the West Christian heritage. Men and women, do you see how important Christianity is? These are intellectuals standing back and saying, hmm, how can we win? We got to deal with this God over here in Christianity. You know why we're so dangerous? Because our allegiance is not to any man or system. Our allegiance is to God. And may I say to you, I just preached this on Sunday. That the power of the word of God is in the doing of the word of God. If you're not doing it, you have no power. And therein is the indictment to the church in America. We talk a good game, but we don't do what God says do. And so we need to listen to what the master is saying right now. Here's what the Bible says. On the Mount of Transfiguration. You get this, it's not my note, this is free. On the Mount of Transfiguration, it was an extraordinary event. You know that event. Jesus pulled back his humanity and revealed his div divinity. And it was an extraordinary experience for the disciples. God had their attention. The cloud showed up and the voice spoke directly to them. And I believe it was direct. Direct. 
What did God say? This is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Listen to him. That Greek word there is akuo. Akuo means to hearken, to pay attention to what he is saying. Faith comes by hearing. We need to listen to what God is saying right now. And we need to be paying attention to God's timeline right now. We are on a divine timeline that's heading inevitably to the eventual return of Jesus. And as we listen to him, we adjust our lives appropriately to be in sync with what God wants, not what man wants. And I'm going to say this, and it may be stinging to us. God gave us a reprieve. 2016. Does he owe us another one? What happened with that reprieve? We stopped listening to God and start depending upon a man. And taking victory laps. I don't know what that German word was that uh, Trevor gave to us about enjoying the pain and suffering of others. I was there. That was me. I loved it. I loved it. But victory laps are not what is required right now. And dependency upon a man is not what is required right now. Too many of us are counting on Trump. Thank God for Trump, but he's not the one. It's the God who's over Trump to whom we appeal to. And let me say this to you pastors. You pastors who are among us. I just want to remind you of Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 through 8. Curse is the man who puts his trust in man. Curse. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. That's two different things, isn't it? Trust in him and whose trust is the Lord. And if I'd had time, I'd work with that. But let me go back to what I was talking about. That's free. Now back to the page part. Now listen. He says this, Antonio Grimsey, he says this, that Christianity and its heritage is the problem. And despite the secularizing impact of the Enlightenment movement, it remains the undergirded reason why Christianity and the state is still moving against our purposes. All of this requires a major rethink. Of Marxist philosophy. Marx clearly believed that the religion dulls people to their oppressors and their oppression by giving them hope beyond its sorrow and its problems. The Greek word for hope is elpezo. Elpezo means something good, future is about to happen. And so we are people who are always looking to what God has promised. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. That where I am, there you shall be also. We are hoping in God and in the promises of God. Mark says we need to get rid of that hope. We need to take it away from them. So did Antonio. It is thereby, uh, it thereby, Christianity thereby dampens their revolutionary instinct. 
hence calling it an opaque of the masses. Yet his doctrine of historical materialism and economic determinism also gave him an unthinkable belief in the natural escalation of class conflict and therefore the inevitability of, re of revolution. For Marx then, the material condition of economic existence, the base, determines all other aspects of society. And Grimsey said, wrong, you got that wrong. Here's what Grimsey said. He says, if you want to change the economic structure of a society, you must first change the cultural institutions. All seven of them in America have changed. They're in pursuit of that which is antithetical to the biblical principles that God has given to us, to the worldview that we subscribe to. All of them. And I put the church on that list. You do not represent the majority. You are a minority. But I heard somebody say, the faith of a mm, mustard seed. That's all it takes is faith. A few people operating in faith. Here's how Vladimir Lenin said it. He says an organized minority will always beat a disorganized majority. That's how he said it. Samuel Adams said it this way. It doesn't take a majority to win, but an irate minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the hearts of men. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We know that better than most. For God took 12 men and turned the world upside down. God just need people operating in faith. And may I say to you, faith is not a noun. You don't have faith. You do faith. You act on faith. God says without it, it's impossible to please him. He says, you got to change the institutions of that socialized people into believing and behaving according to the dictates of the capitalist system. The only way to do this is by cutting the root of the Western civilization, in particular, its Judeo-Christian values, for these are what provides the capitalist root system. In short, unless and until Western culture is de-Christianized, Western society will never be decapitalized. Do you see the connection? That's why we're in the crosshairs. That's why they're burning Bibles in the street. That's why they have replaced biblical correctness with political correctness. Even in the church. Men and, friend, men and women, we are watching PC, Trump BC, and God knows CeCe is under the bus. That's constitutional correctness. 
The Constitution is dying a death of a thousand cuts. And we're watching it die silently. Where's the outrage? Men and women, we are the victims of cultural Marxism, which has destroyed our institutions. And it's not incidental or accidental that we see more and more Christians who are standing up and who are against Donald Trump because they have been infiltrated and through gradualism they have flipped us into playing political correctness which is an ideology in their hands. The question is what can we do about it? I started by saying that Thomas Jefferson said that an educated citizenry is a vital requisite to our survival as a free people. He is absolutely right. If you don't know, you can't respond. And so we have got to make a decision that we will not allow the dictates of the left-leaning media to determine what our priorities are. We must allow God's word to define for us what we do and why we do what we do. We are the salt and light agents of the kingdom of God. We are the watchmen on the wall, men. And we stand there and we sound the alarm. Even if nobody listens, we sound the alarm. When I ran for office, there was a mass exodus from my church. They couldn't believe that I was, was standing up against Barack Obama. And I was. They couldn't believe that I was a Republican. I was. But what held me in that moment was I remember what the scriptures said. There will come a time when God will make a separation between the wheat and the tares. And I'd rather serve God than man. And God has a way of maintaining you even in the midst of that kind of mess. I'm still standing now. I'm still wearing this suit coat. So if you go back and watch me on video from about 10, 15 years ago, this same jacket, it still works. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, and their shoes didn't wear out. Isn't that what the Bible said? And I'm not still wearing the same shoes now. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I want you to know, men and women, we are in a special moment. I think what, what Paul and Rick are doing here is essential. It is the first step. They are sounding the alarm. They're opening your eyes to the urgency of the hour, the necessity for us to step forward. No, it's not many of us, but that's okay. All it takes is but a bit, a small seed to turn it. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. That works in a positive way too. And you are the leaven of God at an hour that is essential for us to respond. The question is, will you respond? This cultural war, I think, requires of us to stand up and say some things. I think Trevor said there was a female preacher 
in Michigan. The first thing I would have said to my congregation is that she's in the wrong position. Now, I know that's not a popular position, but it's a biblical position. I suffer not a woman. God is immutable. And right now, the feminists have taken over the church. I've never seen so many female preachers. Now they're bishops and prophetess. And I said, what is this? It's satanic. And some of them are earnest. Some of them are sincere. But most of them are operating on a Jezebel spirit. I'm telling you. Challenge them and say, wait, wait a minute. Then the Bible say, oh, you see, you see, just all kinds of witches come out then when you start challenging. And I know it's not popular. But men and women, we need to call it like it is and, and drive our congregation back to the biblical worldview. We need to do it. Drive them back there. And you may stand alone. And the people with the deep pockets will leave. Let them leave. And watch God work a miracle in your congregation. In my congregation... I witness every Sunday, listen to me, two fishes and five loaves of bread keep our congregation open. God just takes the little bit that we have and it keeps it. I pay the bills every month. I don't know how in the world he's doing it, but he's doing it. But you'll never see a miracle unless you expect a miracle. El Pezzo, a future expectation of something good is going to happen. I live in anticipation of the supernatural move of God in me and through me to speak forth God's truth. And if that requires me standing or going to jail, I'll go to jail. If that requires me to say no, when the men show up at my door with guns, I'm still going to say no. Because for me to die is gain, I heard somebody say. And I know this sounds crazy at this hour, but listen, you need to make up your decision. Make your decision today that I will not bow the knee. I will not bow the knee. Three, three, three examples within Scripture. Pastors, and you can preach this. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel, when he was a young man, said this. I will not defile myself with the king's table. I'll not do it. Young man. Then the scene switch, switches over to his comrades. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. What did they say? We will not be careful about this. We're not going to be careful about this, O king. We're not going to bow our knee to you. We'll go into the fire. And it's interesting. They said that God can deliver us from the fire. God didn't. God delivered them when? When they went in the fire. And then Daniel. In the lion's den, they told him not to pray anymore. And the next scene, we see him opening the window and praying. He did not stop 
obeying God in adversity. And the lion's mouths were shut. And what did the king say? He said something that blew my mind. He said, Daniel believed his God. And God delivered him. How did God deliver him? Because he believed. And I submit to you today. That's all God wants from you. It's for you to believe him. What was lost in the garden was faith. Faith was lost in the garden. Because they stopped believing God's word. And God has been on a rescue mission to cause us to trust him again. The Greek word for faith can be translated trust, confidence, belief. And that's what God expects of us. Daniel believed his God and God delivered him. Go read it again and see what the king said about him. He said, Daniel believed God. My question to you, do you believe God? Then let us get up off of our asinine charismas <laughs> and act like we believe God. God bless you. Thank you for listening.